if leadership was an easy task, everybody that ever tried would be awesome at what they do. It's, that's not the case. Leadership is a very, very, very vicious task. Sports science, strength and conditioning, high performance coaching. Welcome to the Decoding Excellence Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Baud Performance, the makers of the Nordboard. If you haven't checked out the website yet, I highly suggest you head over there now. The Nordboard is a revolutionary performance technology that allows you as a practitioner to assess the hamstring strengths of your athletes you're working with. Whether it's rehabilitation, return to play, or performance testing, Baud Performance has the tools you need. Today on the show, I talk with Matt Shadid, Director of Strength and Conditioning at Arkansas State University. This is a wide-ranging conversation, and we talk everything from leadership development, staff development, what he looks for when he hires new coaches, essentially the pillars and the foundations and the standards of his program when he discusses it and shares it with student-athletes and the coaches he works with on a daily basis. I personally took a lot away from this conversation, and I know that Coach Shadid does a tremendous job here, and I hope that you can take one thing away today and apply it to your coaching uh, to have an immediate impact. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Coach Matt Shadid. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, boss. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's uh, we have a women's basketball game here that's... Uh, Starting in about one hour, so uh, things are going pretty good out in Wichita. How about yourself? Beautiful, yeah. We uh, we got a nice, uh, nice relaxing Sunday afternoon here in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We uh, we're starting our fourth quarter mat drill uh, kind of circuit in the morning uh, tomorrow morning, Monday morning at six a.m. So we're gonna be busy tonight, just kind of getting snack bags set up and our equipment organized and all our sheets ready and things like that. It's uh, the the first go round because you've got so many people that are involved in the. Uh, in the rodeo workouts, uh, it, it's pretty pretty tedious as far as the setup goes the first time, and then it normally starts to roll after that. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna knock this out, and then uh, spend some time with my staff tonight, getting ready for the morning. But that's about it. Now that I think about it, it's been almost nine years since I've been back at Michigan State University and being surrounded by a football program, and to watch Ken Manny prepare for the fourth quarter program, and just the excitement and the enthusiasm and the camaraderie that that shared brotherhood and that shared experience brings. Ah, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. We're definitely looking forward to it in the morning. Coach, I'd love to start at square one and give you an opportunity to share your story because I think you have a fantastic story and journey along this coaching career pathway that we all take. And I'd love for you to dive in and explore and share with the listening audience how you found yourself at Arkansas State University in the role that you currently do. And take us back to maybe your high school days and college days and significant influencers and mentors that you've had and provide an update and just kind of share how you got into this. I'd love to hear about that. That seems fascinating to me. And I think it will be fascinating to the listening audience as well. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so my name's Matt Shadid, uh, currently the director of strength and conditioning at Arkansas State University uh, here in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, I guess just kind of run back to start. Um, I'm, I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama, uh, you know, grew up playing all kinds of sports, was a football, baseball, basketball, track and field, golf uh, type of guy, just anything under the sun. You know, my, my dad was a big athlete, uh, you know, as he grew up and and obviously in his younger years and, and it just kind of rolled down to us. We were always busy doing stuff as a family because everybody was, you know, athletics kind of going on in our household, I guess, growing up. So uh, I was a very mediocre athlete in high school, but you know, that's kind of where I fell in love with the weight room because I began to realize that, you know, as I put time in and worked on myself and ate better and stayed after and got up extra shots and, you know, spent extra time in the gym, I kind of began to fall in love with the process of investing in myself. And I think that's kind of where it really all started for me. And, you know, on a, on, a, on a further note, I became very interested in the body and just how it responded to weight training and how when I ate better, I felt better. And, you know, beginning to understand what like what it really meant to get good sleep and um, how I could go harder and longer at practice uh, than the guys around me because I was doing things, you know, off the field or out off the court that were that were helping me and assisting me. So 
you know, I really just kind of had this passion for athletics and this passion for, you know, taking care of myself in the process. And, and again, directly with, uh, you know, avenues of, of strength and conditioning and nutrition and, and extra skill work and things like that. So, um, uh, you know, I decided upon finishing up at Spain Park High School, uh, again, in Birmingham, Alabama, in 2005, I, I took myself to the University of Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, um, and, and had had some thoughts early on about trying to walk on uh, as a basketball player and then just decided, you know what, it, it was never really in the cards for me. And I didn't have this like deep burning desire to, you know, play play uh, athletics, I guess, at the collegiate level. But I knew that if I was going to go there, it was an opportunity for me to study exercise physiology because the program uh, in, in human performance at Southern Miss was really, really, really good. And I had an opportunity to get an academic scholarship there uh, to help kind of pay the way with some of the out-of-state stuff. So uh, I went to Southern Miss and knew that's what I wanted to do and immediately dove in. Um, you know, obviously was there for four years, uh, great college experience. My, my time at Southern Miss in the classroom prepared me for, uh, you know, the things that were to come in, in my future career. So, you know, fast forward four and a half years, December 2009 uh, was actually when I graduated. But, you know, that summer, uh, end of July, I had the opportunity to go to LSU and intern uh, for Melissa Moore and Tommy Moffitt in the uh, in the North Stadium weight room, uh, Louisiana State University. So that was kind of where it really started for me. Dr. Mike Webster, who's now at Valdosta State, was really the catalyst for that relationship. He was my advisor at Southern Miss and um, really, really, really uh, stuck his neck out there for me to uh, to be able to go and, and start at such a pre prestigious place. I mean, when you think about the, the Mecca of strength and conditioning and, and how it's done at the college level. Obviously, LSU and, and Tommy Moffitt are, you know, some of the first names that come to mind. I mean, what a storied program and tradition that he's built there. Um, and, and so I got in touch through Dr. Webster with Melissa Moore and was able to go there and, and start an internship in August of 2009. Again, finished in December. Um, so I was there for a short stint. Uh, and then that actually kind of concluded my, uh, my undergrad work at Southern Miss and was very fortunate from there. Um, to immediately land a graduate assistantship at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida as a D2 school. Um, obviously, beautiful landscape down there in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I was excited about that because I was young and, uh, you know, excited about exploring new opportunities, I guess, at that point. Um, so, so I went down there and um, had an unbelievable experience. The Division II level was something that I think was really cool and has contributed to um, just to kind of my overall knowledge of how things work at different levels. And I think it's been a huge attribute uh, just for me in my career, um, being able to experience that because it is very different than the Division One level. Um, while I was down there, I got to spend some time with Bill Ferran, the director of strength and conditioning for the Miami Heat. Uh, basically did like a, I would call it like a mentorship. And, and I'll probably get to talk back about this story a little bit later because he's somebody that uh, really inspired me, uh, you know, again, as a young guy. I'm 23, 24 while I'm down there about just just what it means to be a real professional and what it really means to be vulnerable and open and, and a student of the game. So um, great experience down there. Worked with a lot of teams, um, was there for about a year and a half. Again, got to spend some time with uh, Coach Ferran in the heat. Uh, and then uh, as I finished my master's degree, I uh, was fortunate enough to get a call from Coach Paul Jackson, who's currently the, the uh, director of football strength and conditioning at Ole Miss. And uh, he is basically a part-time intern or a paid intern position. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get on staff with him there at Southern Miss um, in the uh, in the 2011 year. So I was there for about six months. Um, we, uh, we had a heck of a year on the football field that season. I worked with uh, women's softball, women's basketball, which was a great experience because um, I got to, to really dive into some of my own programming at a higher level while also being a part of a very successful football program. Uh, and then that December, you know, when the football carousel started rolling, our head football coach, Larry Fedora, went to North Carolina and, uh, and Coach Paul Jackson actually got, got a call from Hugh Freeze uh, to take the head uh, football strength job at Ole Miss, again, where he currently is now. Uh, and again, was, was fortunate enough, uh, enough um, to be able to go with him there. Was at Ole Miss for two years, uh, 2012 and 2013. And then, uh, you know, was, was again in the right spot at the right time um, and fortunate enough to have a couple of the right connections um, Blake Anderson was currently the offensive coordinator at North Carolina, uh, and had just taken the head job at Arkansas state and had basically referred back to coach Jackson. Um, cause we had all shared some time together at Southern Miss where he had worked for Larry Fedora as well and said, you know, Hey, I'm, 
you know, I'm looking for a guy. I want a program similar to yours. I want the energy. I want the culture. I want the enthusiasm, some things that you're going to bring to the table. Uh, obviously, in, in my mind, he's one of the best doing it right now. And, um, and and I could see why people would refer back to him to see kind of who's next up on, on that train uh, or in that tree. Um, and, and Coach Jackson gave him my name, and we interviewed in uh, in December of 13, literally while we were at the bowl site. Uh, we were at the Music City Bowl getting ready to play Pittsburgh and uh, interview with Coach Anderson. Found out the day after the game that I got the job. And then literally, uh, I guess the past three years here at Arkansas State have pretty much been history from there. So and there's a hopefully not too long, too long winded, but that's kind of the that's kind of the story. I'm by no means a seasoned veteran in this profession. But what I find fantastic and fascinating is that the longer I've been in this field, you truly get to realize how small of an industry this really is. And I think it's paramount for all of us to be tremendous professionals to the people that surround us, whether it's an intern, a graduate assistant, an assistant coach, a director, a student athletic trainer, a professional intern, doesn't matter. You'll start to realize how significant these people are. And you never truly understand uh, their influence and the power and the uh, network that this small profession has until three, four, five years down the road when you're applying somewhere else or you're needing a recommendation, how important it is to, uh, to be a great professional and to be a true mentor to the people that surround your program. So one of the many reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today is because I think you do something so tremendous that uh, not a lot of other coaches do and that your time and commitment that you put into staff development and leadership development for your student athletes is bar none. And I would first love to explore that uh, aspect of this conversation. So what is leadership development as you define it? And how do you develop it in your student athletes? Uh, yeah, leadership, you know, in my mind, and again, I think this would be the avenue of leading my staff or leading our, our student athletes is, is simply serving. Uh, and, and there's a lot of different facets to how you would define service. Um, but, I, but I think it's essentially the removal of yourself uh, and the investment in others. If that is short and clear enough for you, I would say that in my mind is, is leadership. To follow up, how do you go about developing that leadership? What do you do differently? And what are your strategies to drawing out the very best leaders of your staff and your student athletes? I mean, I think it ultimately comes down to, you know, giving them great clarity. Uh, and obviously, l let me start by saying this. Nothing great is ever going to come uh, if you don't have great people. So one of the first things that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention is we have unbelievable people here that work on our staff uh, in the strength and conditioning department at Arkansas State. We wouldn't be a quarter of what we are, um, you know, again, and we don't necessarily measure that out, but, but we wouldn't be a quarter of what we are if we didn't have great people working for us. So I think it starts with bringing in great people. And, uh, you know, the, the opportunity for me to be able to show them, uh, I think the right way to do things again, starts with clarity. And then it's just, it's, it's serving. It goes back to what I said earlier, just serving and leading by example and removing myself from the equation. Um, not necessarily worrying, uh, about, you know, the daily template of administrative things I have or football, uh, you know, and sometimes even family, my wife and my son, because they're bought into our overall mission of, of serving our staff and and leading by example, not being a guy uh, that sits at the top of the hill and barks orders. I, I never was a fan of that. I never wanted to be that person uh, if I ever got the chance to assume a leadership role. And now that I've been in it, you know, and it's easy to say that, like, yeah, I want to get in the trenches and I want to work right alongside, you know, with our people. But it's another thing to live that and ferociously live that on a daily basis because it, it, it takes a lot, you know. Um, but, but I remind our staff all the time and even some of our guys, you know, we've got a group right now in the fall, uh, excuse me, this winter um, that, that we're really trying to kind of push in front of our team because they're the guys that do stuff the right way. And it's funny how frustrated some of them get so quickly. We've only been going for three weeks and you're like, man, I, I'm really trying to talk to him, coach, and I'm trying to bring him along. And he's I said, listen, guys. If leadership was an easy task, everybody that ever tried would be awesome at what they do. It's, that's not the case. Leadership is a very, very, very vicious task. It is not for the weak or timid, and there are no days off. 
literally no days off. And that's not a Twitter message or some lip service or, you know, like, let me flex in front of my staff or our guys. You, I mean, you literally have to do it every single second of every single day if you want to be successful in a leadership role. So, you know, again, just, just trying to be that light and be that guy that, again, is rubbing elbow to elbow with our staff and our players and saying, hey, listen, it's a tough task, but we're all in it together and we're all going to push each other forward. So, um, you know, just, just attacking it every day. And we're going to circle back to the people that you surround yourself with and how important that is to the success of your program. But before I do that, I want to dive into the idea of having no days off and having consistent leadership, uh, which I find to be absolutely crucial to the success of a program. You can't be one person on Monday and a different leader on Tuesday. The consistency of leadership, the consistency of standards uh, is absolutely necessity. Did you find this as a necessary point of emphasis for you at Arkansas State? You know, I really want to say I think it started because I never really understood the real value of of kind of bringing a, a, a dynamic personality and an enthusiasm to the table. When I, when, I, when I first started, I was very interested in, you know, X's and O's and programming and linear speed development and and movement, you know, like there's so many things about this field that just, you know, really, really, really just inspired my mind and, and, and drove me to be a professional in this realm. Um, but, but then watching and being around coaches, um, you know, Paul Jackson is the first one that comes to mind that that bring it on a daily basis and have a fire for what they do and bring energy and watch guys buy into the message and the passion not even so much for what he's saying or the things that he's preaching, but because because the energy and the enthusiasm and the fire for what he believes in is there. And so really understanding like, wow, this this stuff has way, way, way more of an impact and an influence on these young men than any type of, you know, set rep scheme or periodization cycle I could build. Like, that's not it. And I, I learned very quickly that, you know, all that stuff on the paper is great, but it doesn't mean anything. If you're not selling it and you don't believe it and you don't live it every day and these kids aren't willing to bend over backwards for what's on that card or what's on that sheet or what's on the menu for the run, it doesn't matter. So so watching Coach Jackson and then getting the chance to obviously come here and kind of start to build that myself, you know, one of the things we said when we started was like, we're going to bring great enthusiasm every day. And, and you know, I, I'd be a liar if I was going to try to sit here and say we had it all figured out to start. But I do tell you this. One thing we knew was that we were going to bring enthusiasm every single day. And you could see within a couple weeks of us being brand new that like guys just really bought into that. Like, Hey man, every day I come in here, I feel like I'm valued. I feel like I'm getting the truth told to me. I feel like I'm being pushed in a positive way and seeing the, seeing the kickback from our players, you know, just immediately reminded me like, this is why this is so important. And then, I, you know, I, I began to connect the dots and obviously I'm going to lead our guys, but I'm also going to lead our staff and, and just making sure that, you know, wow, if this is this important, you know, for the buy-in for our players, and I'm going to try to come, you know, or I shouldn't say try to come in here, but I'm going to try to bring people in here and develop them as leaders and then send them out to hopefully bigger, better things. And this has to be a, a paramount of our teaching philosophy as far as, you know, staff development and education goes. So I, I would say just early interactions, and again, not just with what we did, but watching other coaches who really brought it and really could grab kids' hearts and get them to buy in. It really encouraged me to say, like, hey, this is a huge this is a huge piece of what you're going to be able to do as a professional. And, and again, you can just kind of watch our literature shift over the past three years. And, and it's way more focused on the inspiration and the enrichment of our kids and our staff, as opposed to, you know, we're going to build this great program and we're going to be in great shape and we're going to be tougher than our opponents. Like that's still there, but it's fallen way down the priority list, if that makes sense. No, no, I think it's yeah, it's crystal clear on that. You mentioned a couple of names, and I just kind of want to revisit that because I think so much of us, especially at this sort of generation of strength coaches right now, strength conditioning professionals, stand on the shoulders of giants. But with this leadership sort of emphasis, are there anyone that you consider mentors of yours as far as what they do consistently day in, day out? And if so, what is it about them that excelled your own emphasis or excelled your own proficiency in leadership development? Again, I would, I would have to go back to coach Paul Jackson. I mean, I spent so much of my time as a young coach, you know, under his tutelage and, and mentorship. Um, 
just the, the, the daily fire for wanting to do whatever we needed to do for our kids to be better, um, to see his passion uh, on a daily basis, you know, to, to, to come in and, and to bring up questions um, about things that he was reading and, and, you know, pitch them amongst the staff. And we'd have these long, like two and a half hour dissective conversations. And there was no ego. There was no win or loser. It was just all like, let's try to get as confused as we possibly can. So then we can actually come to like some founded ground on what's right or what's wrong. And like seeing him lead us like that was so inspiring because I realized like, you don't have to be right all the time because I still thought he was the smartest guy I'd ever been around. Even when he said, okay, I got you. That makes sense. I like that. You know? And and for me to hear those words as like a 25 year old assistant of his, you know, every now and then, uh, and for us to just get into these long conversations and to pitch all these ideas to everyone and just constantly be trying to find ways to make our kids better. We would dissect and analyze everything, not to the point that it paralyzed us. It was in a very positive way, but just to go through and continue to, to be progressive on a daily basis. I, I think that was one of the biggest avenues, you know, again, particularly that he used that really inspired me was, was just the progressive nature and the fire in his belly to do whatever it, it took to, to give our kids the best situation or environment to grow themselves as a young man and, and as college football players. You know, when I even look back at the mentors I've had in my young coaching career, uh, I think it's a similar story that we all share, that we all had someone that took us under their wing, helped us out, helped develop us. And I just find it so crucial to continue to pay it forward to other young coaches in the industry. I want to circle back to something you said earlier in this conversation about surrounding yourself with the very best people. And I found as I really hone in on the people I invest my time with, that the quality of work that we all do has exponentially increased. So I want to ask you, what are the qualities that you look for in the coaches that you hire or put into leadership positions? Oh, I love it. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, here's the here's the biggest thing. Here's what I'm not looking for. I guess I should say what I'm not worried about. And I think this, uh, sometimes I talk with other people and it kind of boggles their mind a little bit, but I think it has built uh, the staff that we currently have. Uh, and again, it's been uber effective because we have unbelievable people right now that are doing unbelievable things. So the first thing that I guess, I, I think it's important because I'm not really worried about your proficiency in Microsoft Excel your ability to coach the Olympic lifts, um, you know, your linear speed development background, uh, how many degrees or certifications you have. I'm not worried about any of that. And I think that makes us very unique. Uh, and again, we're not just trying to be different just to be different. I think it's built who we are. So I try to shy away from those things. Now, again, three years ago, that's probably all I was looking at because I didn't, we didn't know any better. I wasn't there yet uh, as a leader. And I think obviously we're still not there yet, but I think we're getting closer to where we want to be on a daily basis. And that's the ultimate goal. I'm looking for great people, period. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you look like, how much you squat, your experiences, your degrees, anything like that. Now, are those things important? And and do some of them have to be in place to have a foundation of you even being a, a name in the conversation? Absolutely. Let's not be confused about that. But I am, I am so far remiss from, from, from being interested in those things that it's not even funny. I want to find and I want to seek out people who match up with our core values. I'll run through them real quick so this will give you an idea of what I'm looking for when I hire people. Family first. That means nobody left behind. You're, you're interested in being here and becoming a part of a family, not just being somebody that wants to show up to work, punch the clock, and then go be by themselves for you know the rest of the day or the rest of their time here. Uh, I want you to be selfless and I want you to be service-based. I'm looking for people who are very, very, very consistent. That is the number one way that we create our culture is through consistency. So if you can't do it every day, I'm not interested in having you. Professional maturity, that just means being being a the utmost, uh, a consummate professional in every sense of the word. Uh, being grateful, being patient, being innovative, authentic, humble, having a passion for your purpose. That is an individual why that you have a fire for because everybody's going to be a little bit different. We're going to have a mission that we collectively agree on, but I want you to have an individual why and, and, a, and a vision and goals that you want to chase every day. And I want you to have passion for those things. And, and somebody who is not going to be a, a complainer 
or a negative energy or what I call like a leech. I want somebody who's going to bring great enthusiasm and energy on a daily basis. So those are, those are some things that I want to see, uh, I guess from an intangible standpoint, I want to see people line up with, with our core values. That's our spine. We call it our backbone. That is who we are. If you match that, not only will you be really successful here, I believe that you'll be really successful in life uh, as a husband, as a daughter, as a, you know, as a, as a Christian, as a follower, uh, as a financier, whatever you want to do in life, you'll be successful if you can do those things really, really well. And you'll obviously have great success with us. So none of those things, again, have anything to do with platform, mobility, programming, uh, you know, percentages, uh, energy systems, anything like that. Uh, I think that is a really, really, really neat question. I'm glad you asked it. And I, I hope that makes sense. You got to have some of those things, obviously, to to be certified and to be qualified in our field. But beyond a base level of, of just kind of some of those building blocks that are that are essential, that's what I'm looking for. I want great people to come in here and be on our staff to do great things. I'm not going to put you in a box. I'm not going to say this is how we do things here and you better do it this way because that's the only way to do it. No, we're going to live by a mission and we're going to live by a few standards of execution. And then other than that, I want you to be the great person that we hired and I want you to go do great things. And I think it kind of comes back to our, the idea of sort of this swinging pendulum between artistry of coaching and the understanding of what it takes to be a great coach and the science necessary to do this position and do this job. And I think we're, we're maybe on the advent with sports science and technology swinging too far in the direction of the axis, the, the actual X's and O's. And I think we're maybe losing touch of the artistry, the communication, the understanding of behaviors, the understanding of what it means to be selfless and consistent and professional. And I think those are crucial to developing as a coach that can execute a sound program. Well, and here's another thing too, while, while we're on that topic real quick, because I think this is important. If I'm doing my job as a leader and our executive staff, you know, our, our assistant directors uh, and our full-time coaches are doing a great job uh, with what they do, then we'll be able to teach everybody that we bring in, our graduate assistants, our paid interns, our volunteer interns, our new staff members. We will be able to teach and educate on the X's and O's. I think if we're doing our job correctly, we can build that. Whereas, you know, those core values, that backbone of who we are, those things are, those things are tough to shift. Uh, especially in very mature individuals or adults, you know, maybe 22 and above who are looking for jobs. It's really hard to just build those or just change those, you know, on a whim. So we want that to be the foundation of who we are. And then again, I think if I'm doing my job and our staff is doing their job and we're all interested in getting better every single day, the X's and O's are kind of second nature and we're going to be able to grow and we're going to be able to teach and we're going to be able to learn from each other because we have those core values that make us so open so vulnerable, so removed from our ego, so willing to learn uh, new things. You know, I think that's important. You talked about having a, a personal purpose. What would be the purpose that wakes you up every morning right now? Like what motivates you to get out of bed, put your shoes on, grab your, you know, grab your whistle, grab your jacket, head on out to the gym at what I would only imagine is incredibly early in the morning to start mat drills coming tomorrow. What is that purpose that, that fuels you to wake up every morning? Man, you know, I think it's really multifaceted for me personally. And again, this is where I think everybody's a little different. I mean, you know, I know first off, like, you know, when I get up in the morning, I just utter a short little prayer. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning and blessing my beautiful family with such fulfillment and joy on a daily basis. And I'm just, I, I pray that we use our platform for your glory while we advance your word. I think, I think that's one of the biggest thing that really gets my mind right in the morning is just saying, thank you, Lord, for waking me up because I know that if it wasn't for you, none of this would be possible. Um, and, and then obviously, as soon as I uh, finish uttering those words and start moving about in a really dark bedroom, I mean, it's easy, to, it's easy to, to, to take that quick glance and look at my wife just passed out and look at my son there passed out. And we've got two dogs Addy and Blue, uh, a, a chocolate lab and a pit bull. And everybody's just passed out, comfortable in the covers in the bed. And what a great reminder every day that those individuals, those people and animals right there are the single most important thing to me in this whole world. And why would I not want to go be the best I can possibly be for them? Not for myself. Uh, again, you got to get out of your own way. But looking at them and saying, man, 
how fortunate are we? How blessed are we that we can have this house and have these things and have these have these happy moments and and a home full of joy? Why would I not want to go out and just be better every day and just impact people the right way every day? So looking at them is 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 really kind of a, a great reminder for me. Um, and I think that's a, a great one two punch because it's obviously my faith and my family that are the first reminders. And, and then, you know, as I kind of continue to muddle around in the morning, the, the things that really get me focused is like reminding myself that it's not about me. I say that all the time. I've done a couple podcasts and some presentations and it's it, it, it always goes back to that. Reminding myself, I, I literally say this to myself, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how tired you are, how sore you are, how many things you have on the template for today. You know, if you're not feeling well, it's not about me. It's about my wife. It's about my son. It's about my family. It's about our players. It's about our staff. It's about our community. It's about the people that are going to work side by side with me for 14 hours today. It's about giving them my all. So just reminding myself that it's not about me, um, you know, to, to, to kind of go attack the day and then just trying to find ways um, I challenge myself every day, just be better than you were the day before. It's kind of that one, 1% mentality. We don't have to go get everything right now. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to make plenty of mistakes, you know, every single day, but find ways, chase every avenue to be better than you were the day before. And I think some of those, those affirmations to myself, um, you know, really helped me calculate that mindset that, that I've got to go do it every day. Um, so, uh, I, I think that, I think that gives you a little, a little insight into, to think to the things that keep me going. I would call it, you know, some of that's my why. Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher, ET, he always talks about having your why. And when you've got a why, you know, the how, the what, and the when, all, all that becomes very easy. You know, my whys are, again, my faith and my family and doing it for the people, uh, you know, who, who brought me up, like my friends back home and my, my colleagues across the country and people that have mentored me. Like, I don't want to just end my career and be okay. And then have Coach Jackson say, oh yeah, well, that was one of the guys that I pushed out and he's doing an okay job out there. He's, you know, he, He's, he's pretty good. I don't want to be pretty good. I don't want to be okay. I don't want to have my father who taught me everything that it means to be a man. I don't want him to have to say like, hey, man, you're doing some good stuff. Like I want him to be proud and I want him to say, you know, that's my son and he's doing great things. And, you know, I, I want to have a legendary career in this field as a professional. Um, and, and again, that's not that's not categorized by the money that you make or the place that you're at. That's that's about the impacts that you have on people and, and your influence. And uh, the way that you're able to affect people on a daily basis. So I want to, I want to chase those things on a daily basis. I don't want to go down, you know, just, just being a, a guy who who showed up and did his work and, you know, had a, had a nice career that, that scares the crap out of me saying it like that. I want to be legendary. I want to be different. I want to be somebody who's paving a way, uh, you know, for, for, for young coaches and, and for people that are coming up in this field. So um, that, that's kind of what gets me going. Oh, no doubt. You know, I think there's no better way of trying to remind, you know, you as a coach about, you know, what's your purpose, why you wake up, then the addition of a family, especially when you have, you know, a son or you have a wife or you have a husband or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to wake up to be great because I need to be great for my family. I need to be great for the family that I have both at home and the family that I have at work and the family that I serve. I'd love to go down this narrative of exploring the mistakes we've all made along our coaching journey. And I'd love for you to describe the mistakes that you've made, but also what did you learn from making those mistakes? What did you take away from them that made you a better coach today? Oh, God, that's tough to start because there's a million. Um, you know, with, without even getting into like very, very, very particular ones, I mean, I could literally go through and rattle off probably about three solid mistakes per day in my first year of being the director of strength and conditioning here. So that would probably take up the next, you know, 38 hours of your podcast. I don't want to be on that long, but you know, just, I think impatience, um, in a, in a very general sense was, it was a huge mistake that I continued to make my very first year because I wanted everything to be so perfect. And I was so, uh, just OCD about everything being absolutely correct. And if it wasn't correct, then it was just wrong and I was a failure and, and things like that. And I wasn't ever necessarily afraid to fail, but I think that was definitely a mistake that I made a lot was, was being impatient and just not understanding that there is a process to building a culture and building a team and building a family here at, at Arkansas state. Um, I think sometimes uh, another mistake again, in a very general sense, cause I've done this a million times, I'm probably still doing it now is uh, trying to bear too much of the load. Uh, 
there's the there's the macho male ego inside of me screaming like you can do it it's your work just handle it uh but that's that's wrong it's not i've got great people around me that can help offset some of the things that i've got to do on a daily basis and i just have this mentality sometimes of like it's mine i need to do it uh and, and that's not good because it takes away from uh it takes away from family time again whether it be family at home or family here with the staff and um kind of running myself thin sometimes uh and and not giving work and opportunities to the people around me so uh, I think those are probably a, a couple big ones. Um, but I think one thing that I learned early on was not being afraid to fail. And I've really run with this in the more recent history as opposed to early. Is just we talked about we had a culture committee uh, that we do with our players. All student athletes are invited. We do it on Wednesday nights in the summertime. And the first summer that we did it, we had a John Maxwell excerpt um, that's in his daily reader. And it talks about failing forward versus failing backwards. Um, and obviously I was preparing the stuff that week for our kids, but it was just one of those. And you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this, because you have those like aha moments and this reading this passage and getting it prepared for our kids. It was just smacking me in the face. You know what I mean? When I say that, like I was, hello coach, like earth to Shadi, this is written for you right now. And it really became a piece of like what, what we not only talked about that night, um, but that we talked about a lot moving forward with not just our football players, but a lot of our student athletes who showed to that particular meeting and, and also with our staff is not being afraid to fail one, but understanding that failure is, is a failure is essential. Failure is a necessity. It's, it's guaranteed on your path to success. And what I really began to understand more than anything was that the more that I fail, the better I will be. And again, I was younger and dumber and more immature then than I am now, I think. Uh, and I didn't understand that. I was like, what? No, I want to be perfect. I, I can't fail. I, I got to do this every. No, 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 no. It's okay. And, and failure, again, is, is like the stomping ground. It's like, the, it's like where the, the birth of success comes from, like all your failures. And I really started to understand that, not meaning that I'm going to go out and just try to bomb stuff every day, but being okay with making mistakes. And, you know, those, those trial and error periods um, that I call sometimes, I do it with our interns. You know, we just got a couple in. I'll give you an example. We just got a couple in for the winter semester, professional interns, two, two great young coaches that are, that are volunteering with us this winter. And I basically, we go through an enculturation, uh, excuse me, enculturation process in the winter where we basically talk about our staff mission, core values, standards of execution, and some of our house rules. It's very, very specific. These are the things that I'm going to demand of you every single day. Uh, and then that's really it to start. We don't do a huge like in-service on every program or anything like that. I want, again, I want great people to come in and be great people, but that little trial and error period is awesome because we've used it before and it's really helped us grow our coaches and it, it teaches them that it's okay to make mistakes. It is, it is okay to fail. You're going to grow yourself if you're okay with failure. It also teaches uh, our young coaches and, and interns to, to lead themselves, to go, you know, not just have a checklist of, Hey, uh, on Tuesdays, you need to have a, B, C, D, E, G, and F done, uh, you know, by 11 o'clock because all we're essentially doing is teaching people to be really good at following directions and I said early on, we're not going to do that. I don't want to create a bunch of followers. I want to create some leaders, man. And it gives them an opportunity to gain real confidence, not like fake confidence. Like, hey, I checked the box. I did a good job today. No, this is like in the trenches, like the fire is hot. I messed up and I got better, real confidence. And it also gives me a chance to like really honestly evaluate them because if I tell them, hey, I need you to go do all this stuff and they're really good at doing what I say, I don't really know what their, what their flaws, what their weaknesses and what some of their deficiencies are. Um, so we've literally almost built that thought of it's okay to fail into a process with our new hires or with our volunteer interns of, listen, we're going to bring you in and we're going to enculturate you. We're going to give you the basics. And then we're going to kind of let you go for what I consider like a two week trial period. And you're going to mess up a lot. You're probably going to be confused. You might be a little bit lost sometimes, but then we bring it all back in. And then we start opening the gates of question conversation and, detail and feedback and things like that. And it is awesome because I think it sets the ground for, Hey, it's okay to fail. Uh, and it's really, really neat to watch, watch our staff grow within that thought process. Out of all the conversations that I've had with other coaches, I think what you shared was probably the most common response in that. I think the leaders, especially from a director, from a, a head coach, it seems to be that the biggest mistake they've shared it's just the, the fact of trying to take on too much or trying to do all of their work themselves and not necessarily delegation. And it's, it's something I battle with on a daily basis. And uh, 
And I think you, you said something in here that just said that by you giving other opportunities to your staff members or to interns, you're not just creating followers, but you're empowering them. You're giving them an opportunity to do a job and do it incredibly well. And I think that sets them up for repetitive successes when they have those opportunities, because especially it, it helps you, it helps your program. It allows you to maybe focus your attention on other tasks, but it ultimately gives them an opportunity to achieve some greatness. And again, I, I won't want to steal too much of your time, but I do want to dive into a few different things as we sort of get towards the end of this. You talked about creating this idea of, of an excellent program. You don't want it to just be good. You would hate that down the road that you just did an okay job. You want to be great. You want to do it a tremendous, excellent job. And obviously with this, this podcast, I'm trying to tease out some of the things that excellent coaches like yourself do. And I, I would love to hear from you what you think it means to be excellent. What it ultimately we strip away the wins, the loss, the championships won, the championships lost. What, what does it mean to be an excellent coach? I, I think it, you know, I feel like I have such a simple answer here, but I feel like it's such a dynamic question. I don't want to just be short, but I, I think that, you know, like you said, it's, it's exactly right. It's not measured by, you know, the poundage that you add on a back squat PR. It's not wins and losses. Uh, it's, it's not a, a 40 time, uh, you know, decrement or an ability for one of your kids to play at the next level. In my mind, um, the, the ability to be excellent is, and it's kind of hard because th these, these things are fairly immeasurable, but just the width and the depth of your impacts. And I talk to our staff about that a lot. It's not necessarily the number or the quantity because some kids, as hard as you try, uh, you know, they're just, they're going to be tougher eggs to crack. I definitely think you can impact everyone, but it's really those ones that are like, you know, those, those above and beyond, uh, type of deals where, you know, three, four, five years later down the road, you're getting messages back from players or from former staff members. And they're talking to you about, you know, just how much they appreciated the things that you did for them on a daily basis, the passion, the leadership, uh, the example that you set. Again, how do you measure really, really hard? One thing that we do here that I think is really neat. I stole this from Dave Anderson. He's a leadership guru. We have what we call the impact wall. So like sometimes those messages or those, uh, you know, those, those Twitter deals or pictures or whatever you want to call them, like something in the form of a, of a, of a feedback, handwritten notes are great. And we post them up and, and it, it's kind of a measurable way for us to, I guess, look at the impacts that we've made, because obviously a lot of them have to do with, you know, thank you for this, or you changed me here, or you impacted my life like this. Uh, and again, is that the best way to do it? I don't know, but I think it's pretty neat because it reminds us every day that, you know, our, our mission is working and it's an active uh, mission that we have to continue to chase every single day. And sometimes in the moment, you know, this as well as I do, you don't always get that great feedback. Like my father, who I learned tremendous amounts of lessons from in the moment, he would have never known that because I was too stupid to say, man, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. It was more of a like suck my teeth. This dude don't know what he's talking about. Like I got this, you know, when I was young and dumb. And then now it's to the point where obviously it all it all smacks me in the face like a two by four. And it's like, dude, I hope I can be half as good as he was for me, you know, for for our players, for my staff and for my son, you know, one day. So um, th those the measurements, again, the, the, the depth and the width of just just how crucial and just how influential those impacts can be, again, not necessarily in a, in a quantity type form, but just the quality uh, of, of how you're able to inspire, enrich and, and truly impact somebody's life. I, I think that says a lot because again, you know, as well as I do, there's a lot of great coaches out there that may not have the most winningest record or, you know, aren't doing the most cutting edge, innovative things from a, you know, uh, a NFL combine preparatory standpoint, who knows, but there's people out there at all a bunch of levels, uh, you know, high school, college, pro private sector, you name it, that are truly inspiring and impacting people on a daily basis. And I think that's where the real measurement comes from as far as being an excellent coach, being a legendary coach is the ability to, to impact and influence people. You know, I, 
I had a mentor once tell me that going into strength conditioning was going to be a thankless job. And, you know, especially if you attend banquets, you know, it's usually mom, dad, God, maybe head coach. But I think what's so awesome, and, and I use that word truly as defined, is when a kid stands at the podium and thanks you, or when it's three, four, five years later, and you get that telephone call, and it's them telling telling you like, hey, you know what? I, I didn't appreciate it then, and it took me a couple years, but... I truly appreciate what you do and what you did for me in my young life. And I think while you might not get the quantity of those um, moments, the quality of those moments, when you do reconnect with a student athlete and they share that impact that you had on them, you don't know it day after day, your, your micro cycle or your meso cycle, but it's, it's really you know, down the road, four or five years later, when you make that impact with a student athlete. It's, it's truly unbelievable. I'll give you a good example. This past year, we had a, we had a, a transfer, a grad transfer wide receiver come in. And this is one of those kids that it was like pulling teeth on a daily basis, you know, just really, really gritty. And I was always at him because he has a chance to be special. He's preparing right now to, to hopefully get a chance to play at the next level. And just always on his back, always in my office, you know, just, we just, we would go at it, but it was in the, in the in the most positive, uplifting ways. But he was one of those guys that just demanded a ton of attention from me. And sometimes I felt like I was never getting through to him. And, and again, I say that, and probably everybody listening is familiar with those athletes, and as you are as well. Um, and, you know, it's just funny because you fight that fight and you fight that fight, and it's a good fight, and you just keep fighting and you keep fighting it. And, uh, you know, this December we played in the Cure Bowl, got a big win over Central Florida, and he was the MVP of the game. Uh, and after the game, I was walking around in the locker room with my son. So Bear was with me. He's on my arm. We're all, everybody's, you know, partying and dancing, celebrating. And I had just stepped out into the hallway, and he was coming out of the, the locker room from a from a media interview. And uh, I had already hugged him on the field. I gave him another big hug. I said, "Man, you do not know how proud I am of you. Everything that you have that you have been blessed with, you know, because he's standing there holding his MVP trophy in his hand." I said, "You have earned." And he just kind of he smiled and he shook his head and he looked at Bear. And he said, man, he said, you're not going to know this now, but you'll know it one day. You are beyond lucky to have that man as your father. And I, I literally I hugged him again and smiled. And then in the hallway, I started crying like a baby because if that don't hit home with you, I don't know what does. And again, we could have lost that game by 50. But that comment right there, who, man, you talk about changing your life and re reminding you about what's important. That's it right there. Yeah, no doubt. If that doesn't give you a sense of purpose of why you come into work every single day and why you wake up, I mean, I don't know what else will. That's right. You're lost if that doesn't help you. Well, Coach, I want to uh, I want to thank you for coming on. I don't want to take too much of your Sunday. I know you got a, a busy uh, a busy day ahead of you with setup and getting everything's ready. If you could request something from anybody that heard this podcast, heard the show, what would be your request of the audience? Pay it forward pay it forward. I, uh, I'm really big on like taking care of my staff. And a lot of times that ends up probably being financially more than anything. Like I love to take everybody out to eat, bring them over to eat, buy the coffees, buy the smoothies, buy the, you know, somebody's going to go make a supplement run or something. I'm like, here, just take my car. Um, because, and again, not that it's about the money, that's not it. Um, but just, I feel like that's what kind of dominates it sometimes. But, and, and again, we've got great people and they're always like, no coach, no, no, no. One of my one of my staff members, we do a, we do an evaluation every semester, and one of my weaknesses, because uh, I ask my staff members for them to identify my weaknesses as a leader, and his number one weakness of mine was that you buy coffee too, or you buy our coffees way too much. Um, so that it's funny, but you know they always ask like, no, 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 you know like you can't do that. And I said, listen, I'm going to, and just accept it and appreciate that we get to help each other in this type of environment. But my one request would be that you pay it forward. You know, when you get a chance to go on and do bigger and better things. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be monetarily, but just pay it forward, man. Serve the people around you. Love them on a daily basis. Challenge them to be better. Take care of them when you can. You know, let them, you get somebody new on staff, uh, let them come live at your house if they can't find housing. You know, do do things like that. Uh, and, and don't just be like, you know, so lost in the, in the sense of what's going on. You're just like, oh, I can't do this. You know, you're too kind. I, what do I do to repay you? I can't, you know, I can't pay buy your coffee, but 
that don't get lost in that. My, my one thing is just pay it forward. The things that you believe are right uh, and, and dragging people the right way and again, inspiring them and enriching them along the way, continue to invest and, and make those deposits in people uh, and, and just pay it forward because that not only again comes right back to you in the form of uh, a, a self-improvement, but it changes our world like one person at a time. You know, it literally does. And we need more positive things going on in our society. I mean, shoot, you turn on the TV or the Internet, Twitter. It's a crazy world we live in right now. We need more of the good stuff. And uh, it's out there. And we just need people uh, that believe in that good message to, to keep driving it forward, you know, and, and to pay it forward and, to, and to, to just deliver it and lead it from the front. Oh, man, you're preaching to the choir for sure. <laughs> Hey, where, uh, coach, where can people find you? If they had a question, they wanted to connect to you or maybe, you know, see some of the things that you're doing behind the scenes with both your staff and, and some of your football guys, what's the best way they can reach you? Where can they find you? Yeah, a couple different ways. I'm really big on uh, trying to just be open uh, for as many people as I can possibly get to. So the easiest way for me to, to, to talk through things and do things is obviously on the phone. I think email is hard because my time at my desk is very limited. So uh, I'll give you my work cell phone number right now. It's 870-219-7240. If you've got questions, feel free to shoot me a text message, introduce yourself. Maybe we can follow it up with a phone call. Uh, I think that's the that's a great way to do it. Um, an email address, again, if you find that to be the best avenue, uh, what I'll probably do is respond back and say, hey, here's my number. Give me a call. Let's chat. Uh, but that's Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, Shadeed, S-H-A-D-E-E-D, at astate.edu. Uh, and then obviously social media, you know, is where we all live and breathe these days, unfortunately, but, uh, Twitter handle and Instagram handle are, uh, at coach M Shadid. So you'll see a lot of our stuff, uh, on Instagram It's you know, mostly our, our videos and pictures and things related to, to our athletes and our staff. And then, you know, Twitter, I really try to use in a positive light and just make sure that, you know, things that are on the top of my head, I put out there and uh, also trying to retweet, you know, things that are positive and inspiring and, you know, culture related, growth related. So, um, you know, both of those are, are some good looks. Fantastic. I'll make sure to include those contacts uh, in the show notes below as well. Coach, I can't thank you enough for, for giving up, uh, you know, a portion of your Sunday to, uh, to come in and share some wisdom. And, you know, I know that there's plenty on this that a young coach can take away and, and learn from and apply from, especially as they, you know, start their own journey to making maybe the transition or the jump from being an assistant to a head or going into a director position, the successes, the failures, the, 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 uh, the pitfalls that so many of us, you know, have to navigate over. So I appreciate your time and, and I look forward to reconnecting with you soon. Yes, sir. Coach, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much. I want to thank today's guest, Matt Shadid from Arkansas state university for coming on and sharing the conversation. There are plenty of things in this show that you can start to apply immediately today. Whether you're in a position where you have direct influence over staff members or with your student athletes that you work with on a daily basis. If any of this resonates with you, I please ask for you to share this on your favorite social media. Get out the word. We'd love to have your support. And like always, we're aiming to truly understand and decode excellence. 